0: what's up and welcome to kind of funny games daily for monday may fifteenth, twenty 2023 of course i am tim gettys and i'm joined by the new face of video games blessing at Jr.
1: Tim, jr i was very convinced that work could have gotten canceled today yeah this is zelda
0: every day from now on let's you know just, what i mean let's just take a week off i feel like there's enough in this game to be able to to play it forever oh yeah you know
1: the fact that this weekend i was like this is my first weekend free i don't have to play zelda i can do whatever i want and i just played zelda yeah I, I, I it saw. just keeps going
0: <laughs> i was playing and i kept seeing blessing popping up multiple yep. times in w- back, yeah, i no. was playing so long in one sitting that you started and stopped multiple times Hell yeah, <laughs> in dude. that same day how much have you played over the weekend <laughs> not as much as i wish that i could have cuz this is such a phenomenal game but uh, i i made some good progress i want to say I'm maybe like 12 hours in something like okay. that um but oh my god first what impressions. an event- oh love it love this game we're going to do a whole games cast later this week um uh, about everyone else's first First kind of couple days impressions of this absolute masterpiece of a video oh, game. Yeah. What an experience this is, man! To to not only be able to finally get it, my hands on it myself, but to be on Twitter, see everybody playing it. Every time I load up my Switch, literally everyone except for me sometimes playing Pokemon Scarlet, uh, Scarlet and Violet. Yeah. Everyone is playing Tears of the Kingdom. It's just like it's a special, cool moment that I missed out on last year with Elden Ring. You yeah. know, and it's rare that we get these big moments, like Elden Ring being one of them. But before that, it's like. I, I don't know. I don't know yeah, what like it was. Animal, I guess like Animal, Animal Crossing. Crossing. Animal yeah. Crossing, yeah, which is another one I missed out on. So it's yeah. like there's the moments like of of, the God of Wars and things like that. But I feel like that's more of like the weekend. One, one experience yeah. that we're all – it's like more like watching a movie, right? Yeah. Whereas this kind of feels like watching a season of a TV show.
1: Yeah, I think there's something to be said about – one, how big and gigantic the game is, and you can play this game for weeks and weeks and weeks and still get so much out of it. But then also the amount of creativity you can put into it. I think that's the thing that you're missing out when it comes to something like a God of War, where it comes out we're so hyped for it we play it for the weekend you see the the uh, twitter talking about it tiktoks all that stuff and then you know eventually you see it fade and then go into the next thing because that's what video games are right it's a cycle of what's coming out next what's the next thing we're we're getting to with something like animal crossing or something like elden ring or something like the legend of zelda tears of the kingdom there's so much Creativity and ownership involved to where in Animal Crossing it is people showing off their islands It is people showing off their houses and showing off the characters and all that stuff in Elden Ring It's people showing off these different builds and showing off the, uh, these moments that they're having and playing the game over a long period of time And now with Tears of the Kingdom it's people showing off these fucked up contraptions <laughs> that they made or incredible contraptions I have seen things that I did not think I would ever see in this video game after playing it for a few weeks I saw somebody make a a helicarrier <laughs> like i saw somebody make a fucking like oh like war machines people just spawning like flying war machines with cannons taking out entire settlements of bokoblins i have seen incredible th- th- things that people have done with this game and it has sparked so much joy in me oh yeah and i'm I'm starting to get to the place where now i was talking to roger about this um earlier today Uh-oh. where i'm, like, I'm like dude it's here's the kingdom it might be hard for me to make the argument that it's not easily better than breath of the wild easily easily Easily. like in every metric that we were talking about i was like dude it's hard to name a metric in which this game doesn't step things up i think the one thing barrett brought this up in the conversation is the fact that hyrule uh, hyrule is familiar right breath of the wild had that benefit of having a hyrule that you hadn't explored before but even on top of that it's the fact that you're coming back to hyrule and every single location that you can think of there's something new there and there's something to discover there and so it's Tears of the Kingdom is dope. Part of Tears of the Kingdom's dopeness comes from the fact that Breath of the Wild was so dope, right? I have an idea of how cool it was to discover Hateno Village or Kakariko Village or Luralin mm-hmm. or um, Tarrytown or the Rito. Like, I had all these dope, you know, um, unique moments in Breath of the Wild and now when I'm playing Tears of the Kingdom, in my mind, I'm like, Oh, I got to get here. I got to get to the Lost Woods at some point. I got to get back to to um, Garrido Valley to see what's going on
0: here. Like, I have all these
1: locations in my mind that I want and need to follow up on. And that's special.
0: Like, you that's don't great. get that that often. No, no, that, that's such a good point. And it's something I'm experiencing with this one is, you know, I beat the hell out of Breath of the Wild. But I didn't do everything. Like, far, far, far from it. And I think because of that, my famili- familiarity with the map is, n- like, pretty much non-existent like there's certain things on my like, of course i remember this i remember like where uh, certain towns are but i feel like it's it's not like mario 64 where i know every single thing yeah. backwards and forwards where it's like I, new map old map it doesn't really matter to me because there's so much going on that i'm like i don't remember exactly how things were before because it was mm. years ago that, that i played the game and i hadn't replayed breath of the wild so i think there's probably a lot of people out there in my situation that like if you told him, oh, yeah, so much of this has changed, you would be like, hey, I believe you. <laughs> <Because> it's <laughs> like, like, sure, okay. There's, yeah. just, there's just so much, especially when you add all of the the Sky stuff and everything else. But uh, I tweeted out over the weekend, Zelda Tears of the Kingdom makes me feel like a freaking genius. I'm unstoppable. My wit is unmatched. Zelda Tears of the Kingdom makes me feel like a freaking idiot. I can be stopped. I am a complete loser. Yep. Repeat every 10 minutes. Yep. And that is just my experience in a nutshell, and
1: I fucking love it. Dude, it's that thing where I... You know, a, a lot of the puzzle design of Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like comes so naturally to me because I really, I really enjoy Nintendo's approach to puzzles because they never, usually for the, for the most part, they're never too hard. Usually it is, oh, I just got to think for 20 seconds and I can put together exactly what they're trying what they're trying to do here. Or with Tears of the Kingdom, usually it is, let me experiment. There are so many different options I have here for how I can approach this problem. So I'm just gonna put Legos together and. Hit it, turn it on, see what happens, and, ho- and hopefully it works. Usually that's how they go for the most part. There's one, there was one shrine that I I, I was playing during the review period that fucked me up, dude. That legitimately, it's it, it has to do with rails, right? It's about like you you're combining different like boards to then get like um, a smooth line on the rails to try and get to the end, and I struggled so much with that and in fact anything that involves rails in tears of the kingdom i struggle with not anymore though because i learned that you can make a skateboard <laughs> i can't wait i haven't done it yet but i need to yeah no I, as soon as i saw that i was like oh this changes everything this yeah. changes everything yeah but uh, i posted i, I quote tweeted on twitter because cameron hawkins put out uh, his tweet of him doing the dungeon and it, cameron hawkins actually did it by doing the skateboard method but um i was stuck in this dungeon that barrett has pulled up here forever like i i was i did it for like an hour tried different things tried combining different ways of doing it couldn't figure it out left came back a second time a few days later to try and see if i if i can come back to it with a refreshed mind couldn't figure it out and then eventually i i I, like just in playing i was like wait a second and then i had an idea and then i came back to the dungeon and the idea i had worked but it wasn't it definitely wasn't the like, meant for a way. It wasn't the way that the, that the that shrine was meant to be solved. I just created my own way because this game lets you create That's your own point. ways. And I,
0: oh, God, we'll we'll move on from this for in just for a sure. second. But I do want to say, like, that is the most beautiful thing about this game is that there is the way they want you to, but really the way they want you to is just for you to do it. Yeah. And I love that because in other games, it feels like you're breaking it. This game doesn't feel like you're breaking it. It feels like that is the point. The way that they want you to do it is just a way it's almost the like the yeah. way they don't necessarily want you to they're just like yeah you could if
1: you needed to like the main tools they give you in this game are just tools to break the game which is it's incredible inc- like the and, that, and the game doesn't break in the game doesn't in <laughs> the game doesn't have any bugs <laughs> which is fucking crazy like the ascendability i let's get oh to this. No, really
2: quick i just uh, again i think it's to the games uh, just how excellent it's uh designed where even when i can't figure out a shrine and then i have to walk away and i'm doing chores but i'm still like thinking about it all the time and i'm thinking yep. about this specific shrine i'm like wait what if this is a way that i can do it and i get excited even though knowing full well that it probably like my solution that i thought in my head probably won't work and then i go back to it and it doesn't but then i'm still thinking of all these other new ideas and not getting deterred from it i think is just fucking excellent cuz that was something that scared me was
0: all the building stuff and yeah. i'm i'm loving it Dude, last night, the stone boss beating my, whatever, stone enemy, beating mm-hmm. the shit out of me. Like, one hit kill, and I'm like, I, there's no way I could do this. But I was being stubborn. Tried, 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 tried. After about 10 attempts, I was like, I just need to stop. Mm-hmm. Went to sleep. Woke up at, like, 3 in the morning, like, <gasps> like, it was like, Tim, like, wake up. It was like that type oh, of shit. Yeah. And uh, I was like, wait a minute. The rewind ability. When he throws yeah. a rock at me, I can fucking rewind it, and it'll slam back at him. Woke up this morning, beat the shit out of that guy. Hell yeah, dude. Hell and that's yeah, Legend dude. of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, everybody. But this is kind of funny games daily. Where each and every weekday we run you through all the video game news that you need to know. Uh today's stories include Zelda's open world being here to stay, Amazon making a Lord of the Rings, MMO, and more. Because like I said, this is kind of funny games daily. Every single weekday, 10 a.m. live. Twitch.tv slash kind of funny games, youtube.com slash kind of funny games. That's exactly where you're gonna want to be. But if you can't be there live, You can watch us later on youtube.com slash kind of funny games or podcast services around the globe. Just search for kind of funny games daily and we will be right there. For you. Uh, if you don't want to watch live, you can watch later um, on all the places I just named. I messed that up. Meant to say, kindofunnycom slash KFGD is where you can go to write in all of your questions, comments, concerns, whatever it is that you want to talk about under the video game sun. If video games aren't your thing and movies and TV are, guess what? YouTube.com slash funny. Screencast podcast feed, interview podcast feed. They are popping off right now. We just did our Fast Five uh, rewatch uh, leading into... Fast 10, the beginning of a new and potentially final trilogy oh, of Fast and Furious <laughs> <laughs> movies, everybody. Woo! What a time to be a part of the family. Uh, remember, patreon.com slash funny is where you're going to want to go to get the shows ad-free, uh, to get a bevy of bonus content, like an amazing episode of the shit list we just did. Yes, uh, sir. Where Bless and I went through the first half of GQ's top 100 games of all time. Uh, and it was a good episode. Great episode. episode. We're doing 50 to 1. Yes, sir. So, hey, Patreon's a great place to be right now. Some housekeeping for you. On Friday, March 19th, we are celebrating Kevin and Mike's birthdays with a special Subathon Marathon stream. Uh, we're going to get in our PJs, build a fort, and go late if you want it. Come join us for some snacks, games, and sleepover vibes. That's this Friday, everybody. This Friday, hang out with your favorite boys. Uh, and then only on YouTube and live stream, uh, we're going to be doing a 30-minute post show after Games Daily where Snowbike Mike's going to come in, talk to us about your questions, about the news stories today, <laughs> or whatever video game stuff Sorry, you want to really talk quick. about. Uh,
2: the the first bit of housekeeping, for the, the slumber party that was something that nick wrote in right yeah mm-hmm. okay it's may 19th not march 19th
0: may 19th everybody may 19th <laughs> may 19th i was just banana he's in that one you know um, i know
2: nick doesn't even know what year it is
0: you know? who knows man thank you to our patreon producer delaney twining for putting up with our bullshit uh today we're brought to you by shady rays but we'll tell you about that later for now let's begin with what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We have eight stories today. and There's a lot of big ones.
2: A baker's dozen.
0: <sighs> Story number one. Keeping this Zelda hype rolling on. Blessed Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom is the second biggest Nintendo launch in UK history. This comes from Christopher Dring at GamesIndustry.biz. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, a.k.a. T-O-T-K, is the biggest box video game launch of the year in the U.K. Uh, They also revealed the game is Nintendo's second biggest release in U.K. history by revenue, behind 2008's Wii Fit. Uh, If we discount the balance board price, it's actually the biggest Nintendo release by revenue. In terms of units, the game only lags behind Wii Fit and combined sales of Pokemon games, namely combined sales of Sun and Moon and Scarlet and Violet. Uh, Its opening week sales eclipsed the box sales of Hogwarts Legacy by more than 50%. This is just box sales, and Hogwarts, which was released on PC, PS5, and Xbox Series S and X in February, did have a very strong digital launch. Switch digital sales are typically much lower than the other platforms, so it's unknown if the game outsold Hogwarts overall. It's easily the biggest Zelda launch in history, selling more than 2.7 times the opening week sales of Breath of the Wild from 2017. Nick Scarpino. I had up? three people read that housekeeping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were one of them. <laughs> I just did right now, and I fucked it up. Apparently it was like that on Friday, too. Great, everyone. Tune in a year and a half from now, March 19th, for our 7th <laughs> yeah, on yeah. May 19th. this this weekend, A, a year and a half. Friday.
2: A year and a half would be like That would be like August. November.
0: <laughs> 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 hey, you know what? We don't do math here, Okay. All right. A year and one eighth. How about that? How about that? Captain Semantics. <laughs> what is that? Woo woo! It's the Semantic Police. Where are they? Oh my
1: God. <laughs> it's called Humor Extrapolate. March was like two months ago.
0: It's 10 months? It's, it's not called, even a year. It's called Humor <laughs> Extrapolate. He you know what? You know what? you guys are disinvited to the march 19th no! stream oh, oh god! you, hey, you want to go to a rooftop and play zelda together oh Hell let's go yeah. i mean it's gonna be next march and so we're, <laughs> we're talking about what the switch Two at that point maybe some dlc let's go oh my god um anyway the last line there i want to read again because i think this is important it's easily the biggest zelda launch in history selling more than 2.7 times the opening week sales of breath of the wild from 2017 god damn yeah man so that's that's and that's in UK specifically. Exactly. Uh, these early numbers usually are, right? UK mm-hmm. kind of uh, talks about their numbers differently than the, the NPD does yeah. over here. Um, again, Nintendo not releasing its digital sales until their kind of like annual uh, fiscal th- discussions that they have. Um, makes sense the 2.7 times, just in the sense that the Switch is now in probably 100 million more yeah. hands than it was back then, being the launch of the the system. But, you know, we're talking about the follow up to what is probably like the most important launch title of all time. And like, that's keeping in mind, like Wii, Sport, yeah, Wii sports and mm-hmm. Mario 64 and stuff like the numbers and sheer revitalization. You of put that franchise. as b- most important. I mean, I think, I think in the sense of like Zelda being an iconic video game franchise, like an important franchise, a critically mm-hmm. acclaimed franchise, Breath of the wild put it on the map of being a system seller and a, uh, just the seller itself. Yeah. Right. To the point that these numbers are ridiculously insane. Mm. And I think that because of that, like it, that it boosted the switch in a way. I mean, think about where we were at the Wii U, right? Oh, for sure. You know? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that this, this is exciting. This is a win for Nintendo. Also $70, not yeah,
1: $60. I mean, that's a really good point, right? When we're talking about revenue, that's one point I, I didn't even think about. It. Yeah. This is going going to make more money. And I, I I assume it's going to sell more units overall. Um, just based on sequels usually sell more than the than the original title. Um, right now, in terms of sales for Breath of the Wild, as as of March 31st, 2023, uh, we're looking at 29.81 million units. And I've always been a little bit surprised about. How where Breath of the Wild falls in terms of overall Switch sales because it's number four which is really high for a platform but it is under Smash Ultimate, Animal Crossing
0: and then Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. But it's number four on the Switch. On the Switch. Which is like yeah. one of the most loaded software, if not the most loaded ho- so- software sales console of all time. Yeah. Especially for like, when we're talking about any... first party. I want to make sure I'm right about that but like yeah, because if you, you start counting Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty, yeah. Uh, like yeah. But like if you're just talking about like exclusives on systems, like Oh, one thousand easily. Yeah. Easily, yeah, one thousand percent. I don't think so. It's like it being number four, a Zelda game, which is not traditionally there at all. Like we're talking about sales numbers where Breath of the Wild is like pretty much like all the rest combined. You know? Yeah.
1: So my question is where does Tears of the Kingdom land overall, do you think? <sighs> Three years from now, are we talking about Tears of the Kingdom being higher than Smash
0: Ultimate? So here's the thing. I mean, it's complicated because I don't know that the the, i think that the initial sales of tears of the kingdom are going to be astronomical but i don't know that it ever can catch up you don't think it's going to have this because like everyone got breath of the wild when it when the when they just got their switch i mean yeah would they not here i mean i think the only the only look at pokemon sales right yeah and on uh, pokemon sword and shield was uh like it broke records for pokemon and then Scarlet and Violet came out and it just broke even more yeah. records. And Scarlet and Violet has not yet crossed Sword and Shield, but it's only been out <laughs> for <laughs> four. F- oh no, I guess at this point it's been like seven uh, months. Yeah, seven months. Um, but but the next time we get updated numbers, it will eclipse it. So yeah, Tears of the Kingdom will eclipse. I think so.
1: It's been seven months. It's, I guess it's been like six months. God damn, time flies. I know. Time is crazy. Yeah, we're halfway through May. Yeah, like so when you're when you're talking about Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, right? Pokemon Scarlet and Violet right now is sitting at number seven with twenty two point ten million units, and then you move up a couple of spots to Pokemon Sword and Shield, which has about three million more than that, sitting at twenty five point eighty two million. I think the thing that might keep Tears of the Kingdom or propel it, depending on how Nintendo handles it, um, would be new hardware, right? If a new if the Switch Two comes out and comes with more exciting, you know, software comes with like the next mario comes with whatever and that is let's say 2024 do people start to look toward the new does that start to slow down the long term i guess just the longevity of tears of the kingdom sales over time or does nintendo play it smart and go hey with the switch 2 here's a unique version of tears of the kingdom that is the deluxe edition (laughs) because that uh, if they if they do that this game is for sure getting top three in terms of in terms of software
0: sales on the switch yeah yeah i mean and if that counts like however they, yeah, they do that sure. yeah I, it's i mean look here's the thing it's going to sell extremely well it's going to i think eventually break the top 10 and having multiple zeldas with this level of sales is the most impressive thing oh ever so pretended. so good like, for they the did it this generation uh on top of so many other countless franchises that we've talked about before like kirby and metroid selling better than they ever have fire emblem like it's just on a roll 3d mario like there's i don't think there's many examples of games not selling best on switch yeah. uh when it comes to nintendo so um congrats my, to them on the
1: sales my prediction and i don't know how to check in on this i guess check in in four years four or five years um i think it sells higher than smash ultimate i don't think it surpasses Animal crossing which might be a safe bet but that's that seems about right and i think that'll that, that'll be huge right like this is a game that right now as we're seeing it on social media it has that animal crossing level of virality to it where everybody's making content about it because the creation infusing and, and um crafting stuff is so dope and so easily like it, it's it translates translates really well to that short form content creation that's on fire right now the TikToks i've been seeing of people building shit like the 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 things people have been showing in terms of vehicles mechs Um, I saw somebody make a literal um, Trojan horse (laughs) where they created a horse out of boards and then they ascended themselves into it and then rode it into like a thing. People are so, so creative. And I think that's going to, I think that's really going to push it in terms of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom being in the content creation space over the course of the whole year, if not the next few years.
0: Yeah, I do think there's something to be said too about the fact that I'm sure there are spoilers in this game. And for people that really care about Zelda, like there's going to be a lot of things that they want to know for the first time. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's some people that are sensitive to the point of like not even wanting to know what puzzles there are or what enemies they come up against or whatever. But I think that there's just so much quality content in this game that the fear of being spoiled by every single thing isn't there in the same way that God of War or something, where yeah. like spoilers are kind of the points of. The experience, uh, more so, like way more so, I'd say, than this. And the point of this is more the creative ways to to go about things or the the m- moments of discovery. But there are so many moments of discovery that I wouldn't be mind. I wouldn't mind if I saw a, like half of them because mm. I probably am not even going to come across a percentage of those throughout my playtime.
1: For sure. Yeah, I think this is more, and this might be something to speak to Nintendo games in general and how they design and how this reflects in sales but nintendo i think they're more so going for the everlasting gobstopper of hey yeah this game is meant to be played over time like this is a game that we want to have staying power because that is what we have as nintendo we have the first party whereas for playstation first party for example yeah like the first let's say three days sales are so important when we're talking about a playstation first party uh, game the first week sales the immediate sales because it is hey this is the big push we're making and then you see sales drop off over time right like of course god of war is always going to sell last of us is always going to sell but we have those moments like last of us tv show that comes through and really and boost it up and then mm-hmm. sales come back down from there because that is how people consume these games it is we're going to play this and then on to the next one in the way that we were talking about god of war zelda animal crossing pokemon Mario Kart, the, the the fact that they're still putting out Mario Kart Eight Deluxe DLC, and they're still pushing that as, as as the thing, and it's hit over fifty million fifty million units as a piece of software. Like Nintendo is, yeah, designing for that long term. they This is a game. Through playing it, you can even tell this is a game they want people to stick with over a long course of time, and so that makes sense.
0: Uh, we, we need to move on uh to the next story here, but real quick, I just want to say in terms of these numbers and Nintendo and stuff, something that like really blows my mind is you bringing up Last of Us and how much. A- boosted the sales of the last of us games mm-hmm. the mario movie came out changed the game when it came to, to animated box office all the stuff in so many different ways illumination whatever and they didn't have a new mario game and they didn't have a new mario kart <laughs> I
1: just, it's, it, it is interesting and yeah. it's like
0: i'm sure that that boosted the sales from like the legacy stuff but it's just like I wonder how much it boosted the sales for the legacy stuff, though. I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it didn't have Mario Kart already, but I I wonder how much it's going to boost Mario Kart sales Mm -hmm. uh, at some point. But the um, other thing is Mario, the movie. um, I think it was Greg last week on game. Say was telling me that it's coming to digital next week. And I was like, there's no way there's no, it is. It's on the, it's on the new dates. It's coming to digital next week. And like, this there's week. just so much money that's being left on the table, but it's because so many, my theory at least, mm-hmm. is there's so many blockbusters this summer that now with Guardians out and with uh, Fast 10 coming out this week and then uh, Spider-Verse and there's all this stuff, there's just not enough screens for it to be in theaters. But I saw Mario, the movie, in theaters last weekend, and the theater was absolutely packed with kids. Oh yeah, And I
2: imagine they want to, uh, like you're saying with the summer blockbuster thing, I, w- I imagine that they want to keep the momentum of like uh, Mario bringing money in, but just in a different kind of platform, which I don't think Nintendo really cares about one way or the other, if it's in theaters or if it's out digitally. Cause yeah, I haven't seen it and I'm, I'm stoked. I didn't know that that was coming digitally uh, next week. So yeah, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, tomorrow, tomorrow man. Wow. That's just, it's, Oh my God. So much money on the table, but whatever it's, it is what it is. Story number two. Open-world Zelda is a format for the future of the series, says producer IG Anuma. Uh, this is from Ed Nightingale at Eurogamer. Zelda series producer stated that Breath of the Wild-style gameplay continued in Tears of the Kingdom is a new kind of format for the future of the series. In an interview with Game Informer, uh, Anuma asked if the open-world design would be the foundation for the next several games, just as Ocarina of Time previously established the 3D format. He agreed Ocarina of Time did create a format, but it was ultimately restricted for the designers, while Breath of the Wild offered a new type of play. Quote, with Ocarina of Time, I think it's correct to say that it did kind of create a format for a number of titles in the franchise that came after it. But in some ways, that was a little bit restricting for us. While we always aim to give the players freedom of certain kinds, there were certain things that format didn't really afford in giving people freedom. Of course, the series continued to evolve after Ocarina. But I think it's also fair to say now that we've arrived at Breath of the Wild and the new type of more open play and freedom that it affords. Yeah, I think it's correct to say that it's created a new kind of format for the series to proceed from. He also commented on puzzle design and the variety of solutions available to players, noting it's okay to cheat. Quote, when you think about people, cheating is fun. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) the the, the box, I guess. Uh, Wait, sorry. When you think about people, cheating is fun. He laughs. They like it. Finding that shortcut is enjoyable. People will look for an easy way to do something if they can avoid struggling. We want to make sure that it's something that stayed in this game. And it seems the style of puzzle puzzle solving is here to stay. When thinking of games in the past that we've worked on where there was a puzzle to solve and only one answer, that's kind of the past way of developing games. Now I'm happy that we've arrived at this method where we're giving people lots of options and there are many answers to a single problem and all of them can potentially be correct. I feel happy that we've arrived at this type of development style, he said.
1: I mean, there's, there's a lot to get into here, um, but I do love that he echoes what we are talking about earlier in terms of the cheating is fun thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's give people a variety of ways to solve a puzzle and feel like they can jank their way through it if they want to or find a new creative way to solve it if they want to it's the way that in my review i talked about how there was a shrine where i found a fan and there was a um, a treasure chest at the top of like a thing and i needed to get up there to get the treasure chest and instead of doing the smart thing which would be to hit the fan to turn it on and then use my glider to carry me up instead i used ultra hand to then carry the fan upwards i slowly lowered it down i got on top of the fan and then i used recall to then rewind the fan up so that i can get to the ledge because i overthought it
0: like, the, <laughs> if you're a lot of... It just blew my mind, Bless. Yeah. Oh, my God. That would have saved me, like, 15 minutes in the oh, shrine last night. When I tell you there are so many
1: puzzles I solved that way, like, I saw, I went through major... I, I skipped major puzzles just by using the recall in the ultra hand, just by holding a thing up, putting it down, recalling it, and using it to lift me up. Fun fact, if you are on the ground and you have a glider and you want to... Like, let's say you're on a sky island without, like, a rail to shoot the glider from, if you want that glider to get air and start flying, use that. Like, hold it up, slowly lower it down, get on it, recall uh, recall it until it gets high, and then undo recall, and then you can just take off from
0: the air. See, th- this right here, Bless, me and you sitting here, you just blowing my mind, telling me something that is going to change the way that I play this game for the next, what, 70 hours? I don't know. This reminds me of being a little kid on the playground, being at elementary school, talking to people about... did you did, you know if you did this, you get Mew and Pokemon Red? Like yep. that type of stuff where half of it's real, half of it's fake, but it's real because we're all adults and yeah. we're all helping each other. It's just such a fun community experience. Like this is this is Dude, my, incredible. Wh- my Thank mind, you, Nintendo.
1: My mind was blown when I saw I think it was the GameSpot video where they made the skateboard, right? Using the um I think it was might have been a minecart. Um fuse the minecart to the shield, and now you can just skateboard around and you can use that to grind. I Played this game for over 70 hours and I didn't even think about that. And that's such a smart thing. I've seen people do the same thing with bombs, where they'll fuse a bomb to a shield, do the thing where they, you know, flip it into a skate- or skateboard or whatever, or a sled, and then use, the bomb will blow up and that'll launch them because the shield is pro- protecting them from the bottom. And so they use that to, like, elevate and gain air. Such cool things in that puzzle I was talking about earlier that I was convinced that there was no right way to solve it. I saw Cameron Hawkins' um, method, which was using his uh, minecart shield to grind the rails. I saw the actual method, right, which is to create the long board and then put three boards, um, like evenly distributing weight. God, why, why are we talking about this like in this physics? Because it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you like you do the boards and then you can you can transition from the two rails to the one rail. I've seen that. The way I did it was I made um a board going long ways with like <laughs> the fin on the bottom um to gl- guide or um um yeah i guess slide up one rail and then as i was doing that i was holding another board that was built the same way and i put it on the second rail while holding it and then jumped to it so i could like, then go the rest of the way these are all various ways of solving that one problem of course my way was super jank cameron hawkins way was super creative and the default way was the smart way to do it but all of them work, right? At the end of the day, we all got the light of blessing that we are looking for and we're able to be satisfied with that. And so, yeah, I, lo- I love that. That's first and foremost. The other thing, though, is that I kind of miss classic 3D Zelda design. Of course. And I, I, I wish, and maybe we'll get there someday. We will. I'll, I'll love the scenario re- where we can get All three types of Zelda's, where it is classic top-down 2D Zelda, classic 3D Ocarina-style Zelda,
0: and then the new Breath of the Wild, Tears of the Kingdom type Zelda. Plus, let me let me tell you something: you're not only going to get those; you're going to get remakes of probably all of those. Mm -hmm. You're also going to get a Zelda Maker type thing. It's Nintendo; like they they have a blueprint, they stick to it, and they keep going. And it's I think they're going to continue to to keep doing that. Like we're going to, I believe it in my heart of hearts. We're going to get Wind Waker and Twilight Princess oh, HD on the Switch, right? Mm-hmm. Once that happens, the majority of, the, of Zelda games will be playable on Switch of, of classic times. I think it's inevitable at this rate that we're going to get an Ocarina of Time remake. But I don't want that yet. Like, I want an Ocarina of Time remake when things are actually 4K and things are actually, like... Like, I want the Resident Evil 2 remake of Ocarina of Time, or else at this point, we don't really need it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it needs to be a substantial step up, because the 3DS remake whatever you want to call that was awesome and like but now it's stuck on the 3ds so i feel like we're gonna get those things i think we're we're going to i brought up resident evil i think resident evil is actually a really good analog franchise where we now see that there's the the new games that are the first person seven eight potentially nine type style of re we get the remakes that are two three four that are taking the old ones and kind of modernizing them in like this amazing way that somehow just works beautifully but then we also get the spin-offs with like revelations and things like that that are more like old school traditional resident evil games Mm -hmm. it's not exactly like it but it's like it's close enough i do think that we're going to get at this point a zelda spin-off game in the same way that like Phantom Hourglass and um, Spirit Tracks on the DS. Like, those are core Zelda games, but they always felt a little weird because they were really tied to the DS's functionality and stuff. Like, that it's debatably a spinoff, but it's also core. I think we're going to get some of those. I I hope so. I I, I would not be surprised if the next thing Grezzo is working on, which is the people that made uh, Link's Awakening remake, um, and um, I think they also worked on Luigi's Mansion 3. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's next level. That's wrong, too. I'm fucking this up. You're wrong me. Let me know what's going on there. But um, I think Grezzo could be working on uh, a new, more traditional Zelda, whether it's... I mean, they worked on the
1: Ocarina of Time remake for 3DS, and then also Majora's Mask remake.
0: So I I can see them...
2: I I could also see them doing the Oracle games. Like There's still so many classic games that, like, yeah, I think the Oracle games are available on Switch now, but there's still so much that they could play around with it. They want to continue doing more, like, remake stuff. I could also see, just, like, talking about the 3D space of the uh, difference between the uh, Ocarina-type games and more of the Breath of the Wild-type games, I I do see a future where they could try to find the best of both worlds there, because I think the what the promise of Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom delivers is what... They were looking for in the very original Legend of Zelda. Tim, you're talking about like the on the playground, talking about finding secrets and stuff, and like that was the core of what they wanted the Legend of Zelda to be of just getting lost and find like finding your own discoveries and making it feel like your own. Whereas uh, a, a few entries after that is when you got more of the guided. Let's go to a, a temple here, a temple there, and I think uh, I think there's a way for them to do an open world, but still bring in the kind of like more traditional like Ocarina of Time or Twilight Princess type of things. Cause it's not like those games were like linear linear where you're like, uh, you know, it's like corridors and stuff. There's still exploration in those. So I think there's, there's, I don't know if they can do the, let's put 120 shrines in an open world over and over again. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that like, they're trying to experiment of like, how do they redefine an open world for themselves? Well, that's what, know?
1: that's what I would like for the next big zelda game i don't I, I i i love um the current hyrule we're in but i feel like after tears of the kingdom they've gotten so much juice out of it and i'll like especially because i, I imagine when we get to the next big zelda we're going to be on a new platform i want the next re- reincarnation the next iteration of, I, I want a new zelda world i want them to keep the breath of the wild mechanics and like the stuff that's made Tears of the Kingdom, Breath of the Wild, dope. I want them to keep that, that. those elements, the open world. The I would like the shrines. Actually, I don't know how I many. I like 120 shrines is a lot, but I would like. I would like a lot of these elements that we have, but I would like a new story, a new world, like a new Link, a new Zelda. Um, yeah, like I, I want them to explore those things. I think for me, that is my biggest desire uh, coming off of tears of the kingdom and, and, and seeing what he's talking about um but yeah and i, I, I think a good way to go about it if you're trying to figure out a way to breathe in fresh new life would be to look toward the past for inspiration um you know figure out okay what did people like find i don't know like a link to find, the past? Yeah, find a, a link to the past Got it. God, could you imagine this good type idea. of zelda but like literally you're going you're going like back and forth through time
0: I know that's literally a Zelda thing that we've gotten before, but like in this new iteration of Zelda, I'm talking about. I mean, dude, yeah. There's there's so many limitless possibilities and potential. I saw a couple of people in the chat saying that I'm in a dream world. We got Metroid, or Metroid Five, y'all. We got Metroid Dread. All right, it's true. We did. Like, it takes a while for Nintendo, but eventually it happens. Eventually it happens. The bill always comes due. And speaking of bills, we need to pay ours. You can go to patreon.com slash kindoffunny to get the show ad free. But for everyone else. That was a 10 out of 10. Here's a word from our sponsor. Hello. Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Do you want to look as cool as I look? Yes, you do. And you can, you can take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an unbeatable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product. That's just as good as any expensive pair that I've ever worn in my life. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a a brand new pair, no questions asked. You can wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Exclusively for you listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. You can go to shadyrays.com and use the code Kinda Funny. You can get 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. You can try for yourself the shades that are rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Promo code Kinda Funny at shadyrays.com. Story number three. Amazon's making a Lord of the Rings MMO for PC and consoles. This comes from Tom Ivan at VGC. Uh, Amazon Games will develop and publish a massively multiplayer online game based on the Lord of the Rings. The PC and console title will be an open world MMO adventure in a persistent world set in Middle Earth featuring the beloved stories of The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings literary trilogy according to Monday's announcement. It's in the early stages of production with development led by Amazon Games Orange County, the studio behind fellow open world MMO new world the company's first success after many failures and setbacks in gaming according to amazon founder jeff bezos interesting that that they consider it a success that they consider it a success and that they (laughs) own the many failures
1: Oh yeah, I mean, when you release an unreleased Crucible in a month, you gotta own that. Like nobody, nobody saw that and went, "Oh yeah, we did it. But we did Jeff the damn Bezos, thing." You know what I mean? I don't know that Jeff Listen. Bezos has to own anything
0: because he already does. He's because own, he owns everything.
1: <laughs> uh, Listen, bring- out of for Jeff Bezos on his list of failures, that's low on the totem pole. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, Crucible, whatever.
0: Have you seen my marriage? <laughs> Bringing players a fresh take on the Lord of the Rings has long been an aspiration for our team, and we're honored and grateful that Middle Earth Enterprises is entrusting us with this iconic world uh said christoph hartman who's amazon games VP. cool this is a great idea honestly like i'm i'm not somebody who's into mmos like new
1: world and i'm also not a lord of the rings person i'm sure a snow mic Mike or an Andy cortez is going crazy about this um but it's also a good idea right they have the rights to uh, lord of the rings games and yeah like do something with that if you're trying to expand amazon games and you got ip like like lord of the rings do the damn thing. Like, this makes sense. And a Lord of the Rings MMO, one, we've gotten that, right? Like, that's a thing that already exists. But, yeah, if you're having a new world team work on it and you have confidence and faith in the new world team, for Lord, sure, Lord make Lord of happen. the Rings online. That has to be a thing, right? 1,000%. I, like... You said, I, when you were saying that, I thought you were about to talk about the, the game and be like, oh, yeah, I played Lord of the Rings online. No, I definitely did not. But If I type in Lord of the Rings online, let's see what it happens. It still
0: exists. 16 years old now, DJ Mayer says in the yep. chat. Lord of the Rings. Uh, got a 9 out of 10 on Steam ratings. Um, IGN gave it an 8.6 out of 10. Uh, release date June
1: 6th, 2012. Join the world's greatest fellowship of players in the award winning online recreation of J.R.R. Tolkien's Legendary Middle Earth. Cool. Now I get another one from amazon
0: cool maybe maybe not we'll see if this happens i yeah. assume it's gonna come out right i don't know maybe it's a really early announcement but we'll we'll keep you updated here on kind of funny games. we'll together. keep you updated <laughs> story number four square enix considering creating new studios and acquiring existing ones this comes from amelia zollner at ign between the releases of crisis core final fantasy 7 reunion Forspoken, and octopath traveler 2 it's been another busy year for square enix Still, though, the company hopes to expand, and this might include forming or acquiring new studios. Uh, Today, Square Enix revealed that it's thinking about creating new studios and acquiring existing studios as part of its plan to grow its in-house development resources. According to slides from the company's full earnings report released today, Square Enix plans to consider M&A creating new studios and taking minority stakes to build in more external development resources. In addition, it plans to hire more engineers and developers, quote, to develop not only HD and smart device games, but also content for future cross-platform offerings. Square Enix also Uh, revealed that sales and profit were down during its 2023 fiscal year, though it partially attributed this to the lack of expansions in comparison to last year's DLC for 14. Uh, The company forecasts a stronger year in 2024, fiscal year 2024. Uh, Earlier this year, Forspoken developer Luminous Productions was absorbed back into Square Enix to continue working on AAA games, but in March, Square Enix said the Forspoken sales were lackluster. Its president also recently stepped down after a 10-year run that ended in controversial blockchain advocacy. Tim... You're a Square Enix higher up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're in
1: charge of forming some new Square Enix studios. What are you having them do? You having them work on new IP? You having them work on old IP that's been dormant? What are you doing?
0: It's complicated, bless. I don't mm-hmm. know. At this point in time, Square's in such an interesting place. We talk about acquisitions a lot on this show and a lot of our shows and uh we're about to talk a little bit about the microsoft activision blizzard situation again Mm -hmm. uh and in a world where we see a lot of the smaller guys kind of get gobbled up now these days some of the bigger guys get gobbled up square's always been in that conversation and there's always arguments against it many arguments against it one of them being japanese companies traditionally harder to to acquire to deal with all the legal stuff and we see even non-japanese companies have to deal with that and how complicated it could be square recently getting rid of crystal And Eidos, which is very interesting, right? Like shedding the the Western uh, developers that kind of diversified their portfolio in a a really uh, immense way with a lot of hits, a lot of well-selling games. a lot of notable Tomb Raider, Hitman. Franchises, right? Mm -hmm. And access to licenses from Marvel with Guardians of the Galaxy and Avengers. Now, granted, those things didn't necessarily turn out the way way Square wanted them to, critically in some ways, sales-wise in others. Um, But there was something there. So for them to get rid of that and shed that, come here, put out Forspoken, and then reabsolve uh, Luminous back, mm-hmm. it's like, what is the plan here? What is the strategy? Because they have so many games that come out. They have their Final Fantasies. They have the Dragon Quest. They have their, their HD 2D stuff, Octopath, Bravely Default. They kind of have the market like locked when it yeah. comes to PlayStation and Nintendo, right? Their their games sell very well on Nintendo. They put out a bazillion of them. Yeah, and they Nintendo. have consistency.
1: Like when you talk about, you know, they're talking about Square Enix uh, sales and profit being down during the twenty twenty three fiscal year. And the next sentence or next part of the sentence says, though it partially this was a part uh, partially attributed to the lack of expansions uh, for the uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. And we're talking about Final Fantasy fourteen like that is their. What, their golden goose? Like, I think just <laughs> keep shitting out golden eggs. Like, that is such, such a profit for them. And yeah, they've found this flow of putting out JRPGs of every scale, right? Whether we're talking about the big dogs, like Final Fantasy 16, about to come out, or we're talking about smaller stuff, like um, everyday day life, or whatever the fuck that game was called mm-hmm. <laughs> last year, right? Like, yeah, they have that, that market cornered and maybe that falls into why they're like, hey, let's get rid of Crystal Dynamics and idols. Like, let's focus in on these things that are working consistently for us. But I've, I I remember your read on it um, back then being that like, oh yeah, they're for sure shedding themselves for acquisition. And I still think they're probably in that
0: place still, but... So it's interesting because they're making moves that are against common knowledge of what you want to do when you're trying to be acquired. Mm-hmm. But having said that, they're in a unique position where they there's a lot of financial gain to be had playing the game how they're doing it right now and I don't know what that could look like but I again there's the the pros and cons uh, of doing it for them and for the consumers and for everybody but I think that uh, uh, the more and more we look at square in 2023 p- potentially 2024 and all that their partnerships and kind of like aligning with Nintendo for um the titles that are now also Crossing back over to yeah. PlayStation and, and Xbox, even right with uh, Oct- is Octopath Traveler Two on Xbox or is it just PlayStation? Ooh, that's a really good question. I, I imagine it's on both, but uh, for the big AAA stuff being exclusive on PlayStation, and then um, the like still big titles like Octopath Traveler Two and things like that coming to to Switch, like Square kind of has it locked mm-hmm. that I don't they don't need to be acquired.
2: Octopath is not yet on Xbox. Yeah. Uh, Octopath Two, at least,
1: I'm not on- yet. I found an article that says, according to the game's producer, uh, Masashi Takahashi, Square Enix decided to cancel Octopath Traveler 2 on Xbox after observing the
0: sales of the other titles. Wow. That's from XPuter.com. Yeah, so it's, it's real interesting. Uh, so again, I struggle to see uh, a Square wanting to get acquired or people even wanting to acquire them with the fact that so much of the value is tied to Nintendo like I, I don't see that changing and i also don't see playstation acquiring them and allowing that to to maintain uh so yeah because this is not like a microsoft minecraft situation i think it's a lot bigger than that so i don't know where we're at now but anyway to go back to your original question of what i would do i don't know kind of keep going i think square's kind of kicking ass right now i know that there's been some major blunders and mistakes so much microtransaction or nft talk and metaverse and all yeah. that stuff but like everyone's talking. Never forget babylon's now, right? fall and, and there are Babylon's Falls. There's Forespoken that just happened. Yeah. Right. But it is important. Square N- Enix note... has a
1: major blund, uh, blunder every year. Yeah. The Quiet Man. One major. The, the Quiet, the quiet man. man. What was the one,
0: the platformer um, that was oh, really bad? That was Wonderworld. There's a lot of failures. Having said that, there's a lot of incredible sequels reboots, remasters, new ip, like the across the board square has great examples of all those things and not many other developers have that and yeah. publishers have that. Like they might have one or the other or whatever. Square has it all. It also has failures in most of those uh realms as well. um but and and also MMOs like with Final Fantasy like they really just have locks across many of uh gaming's different kind of verticals of yeah. like what we expect from modern video games. Something's in my eye now. It's really annoying me. But um yeah, I I, it's the red dot from the Square Enix yeah. <laughs> <What? laughs> their lawyers they're like take him out <laughs> he knows too much um, but I, I, I totally lost what I, I was going with that but yeah Squares I think they're kind of killing it right now and mm-hmm. they're taking swings and a Forspoken wasn't great and most people didn't love it but hey at least it was something new and like people always want new IP that's a new IP yeah. you know people want good new IP and I get that but it's like they're taking the swing in a major way that was a very big expensive video game Yeah, you know and it just wasn't it, sadly. wasn't it. Let's move on to story number five. I teased it earlier, but here it is. The EU approves Microsoft's $68.7 billion Activision Blizzard bid. This comes from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer. Microsoft's stalled Activision Blizzard buyout received some positive news today as the EU offered its approval. The uh, European Commission had been one of three major regulators, stand, regulators, Regulators, regulators. own up. Uh, standing in the way of the deal, alongside the U.S. Federal Trade Commission and the UK's Competition and Markets Authority, the latter of which dramatically blocked the deal last month, dealing a sizable blow to its succeeding overall. Microsoft is now set to appeal that decision. In Brussels, however, uh, it's better news for Microsoft after a couple of concessions ended up winning over EU regulators. Crucially. The EU has given the nod to the deal after securing agreements to lessen its potential impact on the emerging cloud gaming market, the main sticking point with the UK's regulator. This includes a free license for European gamers to stream any Activision Blizzard game they own via any cloud gaming service of their choice, and a free license for cloud gaming services in the region to host said games on their platform. The EU ultimately dismissed its earlier concerns around the deal's potential to harm rival console makers like Sony and Nintendo, and game subscription services like PlayStation Plus. Ultimately, the EU decided Microsoft was unlikely to pull Activision Blizzard games like Call of Duty from rival consoles, as it would see profits suffer as a result, an argument Microsoft itself repeatedly put forward. However, The EU also decided that even if Microsoft did pull Call of Duty from PlayStation, as Sony would be able to leverage its size, extensive games catalog, and market position to fend off any attempt to weaken its competitive position. On cloud streaming, the EU found that the deal was unlikely to change much as the market is still very limited today. Indeed, the EU said it believes the deal could actually promote its growth. So that was said. And the CMA, the ones that blocked Xbox, they're like, okay, cool. I guess you're right. That's fine. Let's let it that's happen. Not, that's not what they said. Psych. That, that ain't what. That's one. not what they said. That ain't what they happened. Flat back. They, <laughs> they turn to the, the Twitter fingers here, right? Uh, they go to Twitter and on the the CMA's official Twitter,
1: which I didn't know they had. That's funny. First of all, that the CMA has an official Twitter.
0: Yeah, and uh, they they did a little thread here, saying our response to the European Commission's announcement today on Microsoft slash Activision. One out of five, and then they put the little thread. Emoji. They didn't, oh,
1: they're not scoring it out of five. That, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> the UK, US, and European Commission authorities are unanimous that this merger would have would harm competition in cloud gaming. The CMA concluded that cloud gaming needs to continue as a free, competitive market to drive innovation and choice in this rapidly evolving sector. Microsoft's proposals, accepted by the European Commission today, would allow Microsoft to set the terms and conditions for this market for the next ten years. They would replace a free, open, and competitive market with one subject to ongoing regulation of the games. Microsoft sells the platforms to which it sells them and the conditions of sale. This is one of the reasons the CMA's independent panel group rejected Microsoft's proposals and prevented this deal. While we recognize and respect that the European commission is entitled to take a different view. The CMA stands by its decision. This is
1: very fascinating because I didn't, I I, I didn't know that different marketing emerging authorities had like a back and forth in this way where it's, Oh, they approved it, but let's put out our statement and reinforce why we didn't approve it. I wonder why, Like, I wonder why that is the case, why CMA would feel the need to do that. I wonder if that is a reputation thing of, hey, we're standing our ground and we believe in our decision. We want people to know that we're a trustworthy authority and this this is our reasons, even though I think their reasons are bad. And that's me saying that as like, I don't have a horse in this race, whether or not Microsoft acquires Activision or doesn't get to acquire Activision, I'm very much an onlooker and I'm fascinated either way. Um, but that, that said, EU has a good, like, it's, the European Commission seems to have a pretty good understanding of what all this is. Like, as you read through their reasoning and as you read, read through their read on it, it's like, yeah, like, no. Microsoft would lose money if they pull Call of Duty off of PlayStation, so they don't have a monopoly there. Um, you know, where the, the contracts make it so now uh, people can play Call of Duty through any cloud platform, which is wild, right? Like, the idea of if you're a clou- cloud gaming service, you, have, you get a free license for, um, call, the, to host Call of Duty uh on whatever platform that's fucking wild i didn't know that was the case and that's actually like huge and that also makes that also reinforces the idea of what is the cma's issue like why is the cma so hung up on this um so that's also but then yeah like you know the the european commission seems like they understand this or what's going on here way more than the cma like the cma they keep reinforcing the cloud thing and i don't get it like i don't uh, cloud seems like such a small part of this whole thing um but they keep hammering it home and like i'm i assume like uh, microsoft just said that they're going to um you know come back and try again right and like make this thing happen and i assume at this point that they're good, that they're gonna make it happen um man i don't know i just find the cma thing so weird the fact that they're blocking it on these reasons like if there are other reasons i'd be like all right cool whatever but like just based on the cloud shit alone i'm like i don't i don't i don't get it yeah i don't get
0: it yeah man well, we're going to keep talking about this, I'm sure, forever. Um, but before we do that, let me tell you about stories number six and seven. I'm going to read these two together because they're mm. both similar. They're both sad. Uh, and it's unfortunate overall. PlayStation-backed Deviation Games hit with layoffs. Uh, and The Witcher spin-off studio hit with significant layoffs. Uh, this comes from Jordan Midler at VGC and Hyron Cryer at games Radar playstation back studio Deviation Games has been hit with layoffs, with sources telling VGC as many as 90 members of staff may have been affected. Several now ex-employees of Deviation have announced their departure on social media with software engineer Kyle Paris writing that, my quote, my student recently ran into a difficult situation and was forced to make a number of layoffs, which I was a part of. In September last year, one of Deviation's game's co-founders, chief creative officer Jason Blundell, left the studio. The studio is developing an original IP, which will be published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. Uh, and then The Witcher one is The Witcher's Project Sir- Sirius Studio appears to have been hit with layoffs. Last week on May 11, CD Projekt announced The Witcher's Project Sirius was effectively back on track, having been successfully rebooted from its original vision. A day later, on May 12th, staff at the Molasses Flood, the CG project-owned studio heading up the project, took to social media to reveal they'd been laid off from the developer. A tweet from Kentucky reporter Ethan Gotch claims that 29 developers were affected. An unattributed quote states that because the project changed, so has the composition of the team that's working on it, mainly on the Molasses Flood's side. So, both sad
1: stories, right, yeah. talking about layoffs. I think the deviation one is a bit more interesting just in terms of what deviation was to PlayStation. Because if you remember about two years ago at Summer Game Fest, they came out and they announced that they're working with PlayStation on a new AAA uh, shooter, right? And that was one of the games I was going to fall in line with PlayStation's whole games as a service strategy. And we've seen PlayStation partner with quite a few of the these independent, bigger studios between Haven which they ended up acquiring, uh, Firewalk which they ended up acquiring and now Deviation which <laughs> they which who who are who are laying off a large amount of their staff. It seems like PlayStation is in a um content like portfolio review stage because we just talked about how the Concrete Genie developer Pixel Opus, they got shut down and they were a PlayStation owned studio um media molecule has ended development on dreams they talk about how now they're going to work on the next thing like I, I i think this is all part of playstation being like hey let's look at everything and um reassess and make sure that everything is falling in line because even with the pixel opus story the playstation's literal statement was hey yeah we reviewed on well we did a review on you know our uh i'm paraphrasing but our goals as a company and our you know company vision and this what they're doing doesn't align with what we are as playstation and so that's why they're not here anymore um it seems like PlayStation is just in that stage. And I, there are so many question marks in terms of this deviation thing. I wonder if it is whatever they're working on just isn't up to standard of what PlayStation is looking for and therefore they might have pulled back on um, budget, scope, whatever. Um, but it's unfortunate either way that people are losing their jobs, right? It's unfortunate that uh, th- that layoffs are happening. And it makes me wonder, what is the future of this deviation game? Do we ever even see this, this deviation game? Is that partnership going to be nolan void going forward like is that going to be a thing I, I i'm at the place now where i don't have much faith in seeing this game um so yeah that's that that's my read on it and then yeah the witcher thing is unfortunate um um too right project serious i believe was the multiplayer uh project and so like you know there's so many question marks there too in terms of how far out that is how many different witcher projects are being worked on and then yeah like what is the vision for this witcher multiplayer thing is that now reducing in scope because like cd project red is like no we don't need it to be this thing we need it to be this other thing who knows but either way yeah unfortunate and our hearts go out of course to the people that um, are losing their jobs out there absolutely and
0: you know this is kind of funny games daily so that means we get to talk about like the fun sales numbers we get to talk about the sad layoffs we get to talk about the microsoft activision blizzard acquisition latest rumblings and then of course there has to be toxic workplace allegations of course god damn it can we fucking be better everybody um but there's some good news to this one there's like a silver lining uh the story number eight the final story of the day open roads team splits from fulbright after toxic workplace allegations this comes from ryan leston at ign The Open Roads team is no longer a part of Fulbright after splitting with the company. According to Fulbright co-founder Steve Gaynor, the team, now known as the Open Roads team, will continue to work with Annapurna Interactive, but is no longer connected to its former studio. Quote, after a great deal of consideration, it's just no longer Fulbright's place to represent Open Worlds publicly going forward. It will be credited to the Open Open Roads team at launch. It's been almost two years since Gainer stepped down as creative lead on open roads, following accusations of creating a toxic work culture. His behavior reportedly led to 12 staff members exiting the studio with women repeatedly broken down by microaggression. According to reports, my leadership style was hurtful to people that worked at Fulbright. And for that, I truly apologize. Uh, while the open roads team continues to work on the, the title, it looks as though Gainer will be continuing on with Fulbright. The studio's next total next title will be a solo endeavor. Um, so yeah, you know, obviously, horrible story there in terms of the the toxic workplace but this seems to be a positive it's a positive it's a step in the right direction right
1: because the the toxic workplace stuff was reported in i believe 2021 um in regards to the whole thing that went down with fulbright and steve gainer and how he was not a a good leader right and he mistreated people and people left because of him um and so yeah to see the to see open roads continue as a game that that's the thing that at least, I I think that is the silver lining. Because when I first read this headline, I was like, oh, Open Roads is not happening. They're going to cancel Open Roads. And to see them go, no, we're splitting off from Fulbright and becoming just the Open Roads team and we're going to still work with Annapurna to get this game out, that's good news, right? And them working on this game separately from Steve Gaynor, I think that's good news. And then, yeah, Steve Gaynor, seemingly having Fulbright be just a solo studio and having it be just him that's probably best for all parties involved like yeah like you should not like i i I know he's already stepped down as leader because that was the whole story before but yeah like i I couldn't imagine going through all that and then still being at a studio working with him at the same studio and being like hey i gotta collaborate with this guy who made this toxic work this this workplace toxic for the for, for the longest time like yeah no split off do your own thing, like work in work in solitude and make your game or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that the open roads folks are able to continue on with the game and hopefully make this something that they're proud of and happy to be a part of working. Yep. Yeah. Plus, I hope that one
0: day we don't need to talk about the majority of the things that we have to talk about on this show. Mm. But until then, if I want to know what's coming to Mom and Grab shops today, where would I look? You would look toward the
1: official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the kind of funny games daily show hosts each. And every
2: weekday.
1: Usually try to like end with a more upbeat story, so the transition is, is yeah, less difficult. No, yeah, it was tough because we had three in a row and I was like, oh ah, shit. Well. yep,
0: it's it is what it is, man. There's those days. Um, out today. Cook serve forever, early access on PC, Trail of Ayash on PC, and Gekosu, Benza, Race, Toilet Shooting Star.
1: You would be shocked to see the art for this game
0: actually you might not be shocked to see the art of this game shooting star i
1: when i was copying over the out today stuff this one came with the image um like the like the um promotional art for it and tim yeah okay oh shit Bear Spiral gameplay and this is even better than i thought
0: yeah holy shit god this looks like what i remember arcades during the late 90s being like so for
1: audio listeners it looks to be a driving a racing game actually but mario
0: kart esque.
1: yeah instead of driving cars they are driving toilets and your character is sitting on the toilet reading a newspaper and driving around wow there's and it looks like yeah it looks like a early arcade game with just madness on the screen this ui is something else i don't think i've ever seen more
0: ui ever oh you should boot up final fantasy 14 also look at the map on the the top right why is there just a yellow circle not on the course <laughs> oh yeah what is that yellow because the, the line is probably where the, the lap thing is what do we, what would the yellow circle be
1: oh man question
0: there's a lot going if on if you've played this toilet game let us know let what us yellow know So new dates for you WrestleQuest quest has been delayed to summer 2023 really excited for that one uh the super mario Bros. movie available digitally tuesday may 16th in the united states for uh purchase that is wild to me but hey it's happening let's go cool. uh hawk and reborn launches may 17th early access on steam final fantasy 14 patch 6.4 the dark throne is coming may 23rd uh smurfs cart launches on everything it's Office exactly what 22nd. it sounds like second yep layers of fear launches june 15th for xbox series x ps5 and pc Not gonna lie. oh i guess it's probably a new it's like a next gen version or something. Lay- layers of fear yeah uh oh yeah I it must it, be no isn't
1: that is it like sequel? a new one well, there so. was there was layers of, fuck, it was, there, layer of fear. No, layers of fear. Then layers of fear too. And now I think it is a reboot. But okay. I thought
0: the reboot already came out. Huh. Hmm. I can hmm. double check. Um. and Vampire, the Masquerade: Blood Hunt ends development, but will keep servers up indefinitely. Um. Now it no, is. Now, never mind. This is the new game, built on Unreal Engine Five. Let's see, let's see, let's see. It's time for You're Wrong. You can go to funnycom slash you're wrong and let us know what we get wrong as we screw it up live. Um... Uh, CWLUC says Bezos is no longer the CEO of Amazon in January, 2021. Jeff Bezos, uh, designated Andy Jassy, his official successor as CEO with the transition occurring on July 5th, 2021. It's been some time since Jassy's been in charge and making interesting decisions at Amazon. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know that.
1: I don't think I knew that either, but also I don't know if we
0: technically got got that wrong because we just read from the story, but we did talk about Jeff. I appreciate this though, because now I learned something. Now I learned some. I learned a lot today. Bless. Yeah. I learned this, and I learned the whole using the fan, using the oh, the, the using ultra the ultra hand, ultra hand recall. recall.
1: That'll Ooh. get you, dude. That'll get you through so many puzzles. Oh, baby. if you
0: if you just want to stop thinking for
1: a second, oh. use that ultra hand, lifts something up. Use recall, get on that thing, get lifted up.
0: I can't wait to keep talking about this game for the rest of my life with you. Bless. Um, that's been kind of funny games daily. What an episode. It was some good. What an episode. It was episode. some bad. It was a lot of great Zelda talk, and there was some memories made right here on youtube.com slash kind of funny games of course we're gonna do our little fun post show Snowbike mike's about to join us really excited for that i exited the dock but bless do you want to let people know who's hosting the rest i can let people who
1: know who's hosting the rest of the week this week's hosts are on tuesday tomorrow you're getting me and the one and only snow michael it's Ooh. me and you bro me and you uh on wednesday you got me and greg thursday you got me and tim then on friday you got greg And Tim, of course, if you're watching this live, remember we're trying something new with YouTube Super Chats right here on KFGD, uh, only on YouTube in the live stream. There's going to be a 30-minute post show where Mike comes in, we talk to him about your Super Chat questions, so stay tuned for that.
2: This has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. It has. Want to sign off?
0: I will. Until next time. I love you all. Goodbye.